we always speak the right amount, right? Of course, we know ne- we never get lost in tangents that aren't necessary. We just who us? No, I swear if if the um if the podcast tangentially speaking didn't exist already, that would be a good title too. Oh, that would be so good. Can we make like a tangent hook pun? Yeah, I was just thinking the same. I was like, oh, hook, hook, hook. I mean, I don't know, honestly. Oh, fuck. No, I literally, as we start recording, a bee again decides to come in the room. <laughs> Third time's a charm. What is this? It only happens when we record. I know. That's why I closed the window just before uh, before uh, I started. Yeah, uh, but that's the. De- pressing i just want to enjoy the last few weeks of nice weather before (laughs) (sighs) i know i get it i get it but alas here we are i am avoiding getting stung by a bee yeah that's good yeah we're here to record i have no idea what you're going to talk about i believe it's you because if it's not you then we have nothing to talk about (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it is me it is me luckily enough um dodge the bullet there i know i know um so let me ask you a question rashad oh no i don't like it when you ask me questions (laughs) what does it mean to be human and what is the self Uh... (laughs) (laughs) these are central questions to today's topic um it is a franchised it, it is a franchise um but we are going to talk about one of those installments particularly. So today's topic is the 1995 movie Ghost in the Shell. what (laughs) you finally sniped me oh (laughs) (laughs) i'm literally going to see this movie in imax tomorrow so that i can talk about it next week oh my god really (laughs) have you seen it before no oh no (laughs) no we can't do this then oh shit but the thing is when you asked me what is it human i was like don't be ghost in the shell oh no fuck oh no my heart is broken oh no shit what so how do we go about this then because i don't want to spoil this yeah uh, (laughs) so what you're going to see it tomorrow tomorrow yes can you record on friday (laughs) i can hold wait hold on yeah i can record on friday if need be Okay. <laughs> or we can just do it on Saturday before Serially Hooked or something. Uh, no, no, <laughs> Friday works. Okay. Friday works. Um, okay. We definitely keep this, though. We have to. This is the start of that episode. Oh, my God. Oh um, my God. Okay. I guess my That's question incredible. is so I guess yes. we are definitely. We're going to reconvene. Yes. After <laughs> I have watched this movie. I love this. <laughs> Uh, oh, I know it's my, my plan for next week too. Oh Maybe. my god! Wow, what a what a shocking turn of events. I know. And we have found the flaw in our system. And it is great because I had been so I wanted to do this topic. I decided on it last week, 
And then on the weekend, I was ah, but there's this other topic that I also kind of want to do. So which one do I do first? And I was like hemming and hawing and going back and forth. And I'm so, so glad that I decided to go with Ghost in the Shell. But you're glad? Oh, because you can be. Yeah, because that means I sniped you and not you sniped me. (laughs) Oh, my God. And just like I was looking at um uh, my local movie theater recently and it's like oh what are the different like classics that they're playing or older films and it was ghost in the shell came up and the last showing is tomorrow and i was like i have to see this finally <laughs> well <sighs> good thing good thing like this is uh, before we hit, hit record you mentioned that um you're a little bit time constrained today so i guess no worries now <laughs> i love this i have like four pages of notes so i'm very prepared oh okay um most of those are just direct quotes to be honest but i mean still yeah good one of the things that'll be interesting for me though is i don't have to take the lead on this so i will watch it so i will be informed yes Um, and that means we can have a great discussion about it too I'm very excited, honestly. Nice. I've, been, I've heard of this for so long. I, that's why I kind of got a sense of the fact that that's going to be the topic once you ask the question about what it does mean to be human. <laughs> the timing of this is incredible. Um, oh, are you going to watch dubs or subs? Oh, subtitled Japanese Perfect. Uh, audio. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, the dub is horrendous. Well, I'm only at the mercy of the cinema, but the cinema is playing it with the English subtitles. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, I don't think I've watched an anime with English dubs mm. since I was like, well, over 14. I mean, definitely since before I studied Japanese. Right? Yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> but even from before then, it's it's been tough. Mm. I mean, I think the only one that comes to mind is Pokemon. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, as a kid, I was woefully ignorant of the fact that Pokemon wasn't quote-unquote anime i always thought of it as just another cartoon just alongside of hey arnold and rugrats or whatever like oh and then there's this one where they have like all these little pokemon yeah yeah. oh hey arnold that was a fun one i guess we'll reconvene we will reconvene shortly ding 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 nice (laughs) oh my god this is so good Okay, so my question for you i have a question for you okay i know you did your ding 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 transition but that's fine is there anything that I should be prepared for thinking about without any spoilers, of course, mm. but is there anything that you would say to someone who is going to see the movie for the first time? I think, hmm, you know what, just because the way I am, I don't want to say anything. I just want you, you, you know that it's an influential movie and that's all that I think I want you to know. Okay. And I just want you to and like to witness it for the first time, unspoiled in any way. And I would just love. I'm so curious now that like what you have to say, and like what your what your impression of it is. And yes, uh, okay. I will say this one thing. One thing. It yeah. is. It is always difficult when you go back to something that was so influential because the risk it always is that you will be bored by it because you've seen it a thousand times but the reason you've seen it a thousand times is because this uh this thing has laid the groundwork for it and usually it doesn't hold up but ghost in the shell definitely does 
I wonder because somewhat of a, like a tangent of that is how how much do you think that animated content or animated films etc that is influential stands the test of time more often than their live action counterparts because i'm thinking to myself like of the older influential stuff you're right in the sense that going back to them can be very meh Mm. and i think part of that is because of at least for me the cinematography is behind or older Mm. the pacing is a little bit weird there's like things that we're just unfamiliar with from a modern viewer's perspective but with animated stuff it seems to be less of a divergence over time and obviously like watching the original snow white is you know very (laughs) different and difficult but it's still foundational to children today and that's Mm. incredible to think about even before i don't know Uh, it's a very interesting thing is how does anime last longer or animated content i guess last longer than live action movies or film yeah that's a that's a good question i mean i think some of it just holds up because there are still i mean we, we today we have obviously a lot of production of animated movies that pushes the envelope in terms of technology but there's there are still a lot of examples of people who go back to an earlier style and i think that that's more difficult to do in a live action setting and maybe it's because maybe it is the because um the audience is more forgiving with animation sometimes but I think maybe it's also because depending on what type of animation it is, uh, you know, there is a different audience because animation in general and maybe anime in particular is something that scares a lot of people off, I think. Or they, or not, not scares them off, but they disregard it because that's quote-unquote for children where I will say, this movie, if you show this to a child... They will be scarred for life. I mean, the notion that anime is for children or even just cartoons in general are all exclusively for children is ridiculous to start yeah, with. So Exactly. Even like even movies that are marketed for children have so much depth to them if they're done well that it impacts, you know, severely adults as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that goes whether it be something like Inside Out or something like this, which I, from what I've seen or from what I know, is much more gruesome than Inside Out. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. And definitely even less so for children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's one of my all time like bugbears is that people treat animation as a genre, but it's actually a medium. Yeah, of course. And, it's and not a genre. No, no, but a lot of people kind of try to grade animation on a curve, saying, like, what's your favorite animated movie? As though you can you like that that makes it sort of less than a live action movie. As if it's a qualifier for Exactly, film. exactly. And that's just something that I really dislike, having watched a lot of animated uh, material. And I think there's so much art in there 
obviously in the best of things more so but that's just with any type of art form honestly i think that recently this notion has weighed waned a little bit Mm -hmm. there is more of a recognition i would say from what from my perspective of anime as more of or not anime exclusively but animated films and television that they are not exclusively for children and i think one of the things that has helped it in particular and this now specifically to anime is the streaming world and Mm -hmm. netflix in particular buying up the distribution rights for so much different anime out there and has made it so much more accessible to a wider audience and i think it's it's obviously been great for netflix's bottom line specifically with refer uh, with uh, subscriptions in japan but yeah even outside i think it's disseminated this cultural experience to so many more people that have been interested to it but we're often interested as children or interested at the fringes but they're now able to take a deep dive into so much great stuff on these platforms specifically i would say netflix i can't i can't think of i know there are anime specific streaming sites that you can subscribe to and get whatever and then there's also obviously the <clears throat> internet <clears throat> but with netflix in particular it's it's it was already a widely used platform that then dumped a bunch of really good stuff that is animated on top of it as well mm. the flip side to that is also disney plus having its own wide range of animated content that is extremely valuable and is it acts as like a to a certain extent a history of animation just because disney's role in the evolution of animation over over time and specifically you know or not specifically but largely not even largely what word am i trying to look for i don't know what i'm trying to say honestly but i'm trying to segment the pixar stuff versus the disney stuff in, yeah. in what i'm trying to say i can't find the right word to do that but it's i don't know it, it, all all in all i think it's an incredible uh, journey and yeah I, I agree with you 100 in terms of that cool <laughs> All right, so Chris, next time I will see you, I will have watched Ghost in the Shell and we'll discuss it. I'm so looking forward to it because not only am I very prepared for this, but I was really hoping that you had seen it and that we can talk about it in depth because I think that is one of those movies that really warrants it. So I'm all the more excited to reconvene in a few days and uh, talk about it. Are you going to make some funky sound? Perfect. Ah, we've ruined. And then, like, it's like we all the momentum we have is now gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, let me actually ask you, Joost, um, because you're the only one, the only person that I know who also likes Age of Empires, how you thought the episode was. Uh, yeah, that no, was very good, except I don't agree with the 
that you like Age of Empires two uh, that much more than than well Age of Mythology. Do you like do you like it that much more? Because like Age of Mythology is childhood memories for me. Yeah, no, I I don't I think the there is no gulf between them. It's just it's very very uh, similar. There's way I think for like one is like by there's a huge gap between one and three, and then there's a huge gap between three and two in mythology. Mm. But I think I think like the the gap between two and mythology is the narrowest of all of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I man, I, I love that game. Yeah. Also, just the first one. I remember, you know, uh, I'm not sure how old you are, Chris, but I remember when uh, Age of Empires one came out, and a friend of mine had like a copy on a CD, and it's the first time I played a real time strategy game. I was just blown away. By being able to build little buildings, collect resources, and um, and then yeah, Age of, Age, of, Age of Mythology is just the reason I passed my mythology exams for history. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get that. Yeah, so much is yeah. I I remember uh, like my father played Age of the original Age of Empires, and then I just very quickly did that too. And then Age, obviously AOE two came out. I liked that as well. And I think Age of Mythology was just. A perfect storm too because i had just gotten to mythology and like the set i like the setting a lot and the campaign although like the narrative of the campaign is bullshit but just i like the missions themselves that was fun and like their little explain windows that you can always like read these little texts i really enjoyed that yeah so, yeah no i know it's it's, it's amazing i never played it like online or or um yeah, I mean, there was once there was a land party i joined never playing against anybody else i just immediately got destroyed yeah. Uh, otherwise, I've always played against AI, so I didn't even know there was a competitive scene for AOE two, for example, or any of that. Yeah, I didn't know either until uh, like I stopped playing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel? So I, I that might be maybe a um, uh, like going against the grain a little bit, but I am not a big fan of the Titans. I like the expansion, I like the Atlantan Atlantans, but I don't like the Titans as like the the creatures because i think they're just they're just so huge oh yeah yeah they're overpowered yeah i i, I mean again because i played against the ai i just enjoyed having this massive yeah big gate that you then after a long time opens up and this creature comes out and and you, it's just fun to just destroy run everything. over the enemy you know <laughs> uh, like imagine if you have to do it against other people it just becomes annoying because yeah. it's the only thing they'll probably focus on i imagine mm. but, uh, but man it's been like probably 15 years since i last played that though like mm. it's all just childhood memory i'm afraid to go back to it as well because i think it would just be disappointing yeah <laughs> yeah i get that as well it's so funny as well with aoe2 with the, the overhaul that they did for that one yeah you just you just get used to the old graphics and then when they got the the new one because they you know they also overhauled the graphics obviously and then it's like, then you look back at older videos like, oh shit, this is way worse than I remember it. <laughs> but yeah, it was funny as well because um, like a few weeks, like, yeah, two weeks ago. No, last week, actually, um, there was a giant AOE t tournament in Heidelberg. And like the, like some of the world's best players were competing for like a prize pool of $100,000. No way. And it was so like the funniest coincidence ever because that that episode was supposed to come out two weeks earlier. 
but mm-hmm. uh, if just for like because like neither Rashad nor I really had time mm-hmm. and it, it was like pushed back and then it was like perfect timing and like it was it was like it was like a LAN in the Heidelberg Castle huh. and like sponsored by Red Bull and wow. it was just a lot of fun I mean I I watched it and uh but yeah I, I didn't like there were, unfortunately there was no meetup or anything but so is so. AOE then really one of those top um uh, uh, e-games then like I mean 100,000 that, that's more than you get it for Smash Bros I think at least for some tournaments mm. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a lot more isn't it yeah I mean the last two years have definitely been like the highest it's ever been like the previous 10 years there was nothing wow like in terms of, of in terms of prize money maybe like $500 here and there for the big tournaments but yeah yeah and that for a twenty-year-old game—that's that's absolutely mm-hmm. nuts. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just because there still was this community, and then Microsoft kind of saw the potential of you know making more money, huh. and that's why they, um, you know, made all of these expansions and stuff like that. And now they do AOE four, and like it drops in exactly a month. So, but surely the AOE four—that game is just made for the people with that nostalgia component right because i mean and even aoe too like surely all the players are just people like me and you who used to play it when we were super young and aoe 4 doesn't really look that different from i mean graphically it's better but it has a it's it's very similar in every other way to the other games there was a lot of backlash to it wasn't there that Mm. it didn't look good enough and yeah, so, I think they did change a few things though, like in terms of game mechanics. Like every civilization has like definite is like way more different than it was in AoE two. Uh, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm gonna be curious what's what that means for the series and the players and everything. So, but it's, it is it seems to be like quite a different game actually from what yeah. I've seen. Huh. But it's gonna be interesting to find out. Like, I'm just, I'm just gonna sit back and like come to it like six months later when everybody's fit- figured out the meta game. <laughs> <laughs> just watch YouTube videos and exactly. yeah. just like down the rabbit hole, the rabbit hole again. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably play. I have to play AOE four just for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, I would too if I had like any equipment that I could play it on, but I don't, which is a blessing and a curse. So, <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, we're not. I don't. I don't want to bore Rashad with this uh, AOE talk. No, I'm enjoying it. I just okay. feel like a, a fly on a wall. Yeah, so you were very supportive for, and uh, like it was really shocking actually. Like when you said like you've ne- you don't even know what an RTS is. Like oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, where do I start? Uh, and uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. That just goes to show how different like players we've been. Or in I can R. also say that honestly, that's the podcast in which I've learned the most. Yeah. And I feel that fundamentally I have more of an understanding of an entirely new subgenre than I would have otherwise. So it's yeah. a really, you know, thank you very much, Chris, for walking me through it. And I'm always excited to hear these conversations, even though I can't contribute one iota. <laughs> I mean, but you, you know, you definitely, uh, you know, you could tell that I was very enthusiastic about it. And I think yeah. that's just like on the abstract level as a, like someone who's really into gaming too. Like I think people can just respect that even though it's like, you know, a lot of people tend to get get like offensive, uh, off- offended when they're like, 
oh, you don't like the game that I like, oh, screw you. But it's like, no, like you just love gaming. And so let's all like band together for that sort of thing, right? And it's just like, yeah. let's just respect that sort of thing. And It's uh, not yeah. even about gaming. It's just about people. I love people who are Enthusiasm, interested in yeah. anything, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. whatever they're doing. And that's honestly one of the, my favorite things about doing a PhD in yeah. the sense that like all the people that you meet if they're doing when they're doing their doctorate they're just like super nerds about whatever they're doing and that's yeah. so exciting and listening to people talk about their things and even when they're at a certain point everyone gets also jaded about their topics as well yeah but inevitably even there it's like i don't know it's just fun a bunch of people just interested in random stuff and that's really mm. exciting so yeah for sure okay i'm glad you like people nerding out over their phds were shot because uh <laughs> today uh, i think uh you have to curb me a little bit. No, we're, you're just going to go all out, and I'm very excited for this. <laughs> Chris, actually, Yost, I don't think you know this. Chris and I actually had a mini discussion about this before going into the movie because I was actually planning to do to talk about Ghosts in the Shell next week after you and I had gone to see it. But Chris decided to do it this week without telling me because we don't tell each other the topics of our weekly hooks. So he effectively sniped my topic one week ahead of time without any communication, which is absolutely, I don't know how he did it, honestly. <laughs> wow. But so then I told Chris that I'm going to go watch the movie and then come back and we'll record a couple days later so that we can have a follow up conversation. And here we are in that follow up conversation. But I. Went to go watch it with Yost and just in us sitting together after the movie, talking through the to talking through all the themes and everything that was going through the film. I just knew that I had to bring Yost onto the podcast to discuss this because if there's anyone that in my entire life that I know to speak to about Ghost in the Shell and everything that goes into honestly everything, it is Yost. So thank you, Yost, for joining us again. Oh God! What a setup. Uh, this, is, this is only going to disappoint. <laughs> I don't I, think we've ever had any guest on that is as equipped as you are to talk about any topic we've ever had. Not to raise the stakes again, but <laughs> it's funny because I mean, it's, so I had never. Uh, well, I, 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 Ghost in the Shell is one of those movies that I did have heard about, but I had no idea what it was about, and it's just one of those titles that are just stuck somewhere in the back of your mind but you never bothered to look it up what it exactly is about and um so when Rashad said oh they're showing uh ghosts in a shell in the theater let's go watch it I thought yeah sure and still you know um I'm not sure whether I completely understand the whole uh plot line I was quite tired watching the movie but there are just so many references in there to topics that I find very interesting um, you know, things related to AI, to consciousness and all these things that, yeah, I, I would be very excited to chat a bit more about that. Also, that's an, I didn't know that you, that was also the first time that you had seen the movie. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, never seen it before. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice. How often have you seen it, Chris? You, you've seen it a long time ago, then, I guess. Yeah, I've probably seen it five or six times at this point. Mm. Yeah, and it's definitely one of these things where uh it you know it gets better every time because you understand it more and yeah. it also helps because so ghost in the shell is not just this movie it is like a whole franchise and it had different installments basically and it basically has like five installments the first one is like the original manga series by uh, masamune shiro 
Then you have this movie by, that are directed by Mamoru Oshii, and we, you have the 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 like TV show. It's called Ghost in the Shell Standalone Com- Complex. Then you have a, a lot of like prequel uh, movies, so called Arise series, and then obviously you have the um, the uh, Hollywood movie with Scarlett Johansson, famously, infamously. And uh, so th- that just spans a lot of different media, and yeah, but this one is of is like the gold standard for many. Would you say this is the gold standard more than the original manga? It's just very different in tone, I, I think, especially when it comes to the the um, protagonist uh, Mokoto Kusanagi, right? The the major. Uh, she is very, very different in the manga. Uh, she's like very like snippy. She talks back. She's she's kind of fun. Whereas in this movie, she's just very dreary and is like very like uh like uh in her in her head a lot, uh in, in on many levels in a way. But uh, she's like like the overall tone of this of this movie, right? Is like very like grim in a way. Mm. So is the topic are the topics always the same? Do they always address the same issues? It's always about AI and the interaction between AI and humans. Yeah, I would say so. But depending on which of these things you look at, it's more or less philosophical. Let's put it that way. Like the series that which I really like too, like the standalone complex series. Um, it's it's more of a like procedural. So it's like just section nine solving a bunch of crimes relating to their specialty right um and the more uh the more philosophical debates is actually kind of outsourced to their like spider tanks called the tachikoma uh that like in every episode have like a two three minute segment where they talk about uh things relating to ai and consciousness and all of these things and that's like a really interesting way to go about it but yeah depending on which which like medium you look at it is more or less like overtly philosophical about these topics yeah yeah yeah. and are you interested in in all the other movies around ai as well um or is it particularly the anime that you're interested in you mean uh specifically like in with ghost in the shell or just in general ai like in uh movies? yeah i mean for me i thought it was very interesting because i'm interested in like ai in, in general and um, yeah. thinking about how ai is represented in different movies you know like recently uh, mm-hmm. ai is becoming more and more of a hot topic i suppose because you know there are these developments in ai that ai is beating humans in games that they didn't think previously possible yeah like Go was the last one, right? That was like always held up as this thing that's like impossible, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah, that that's one exactly. Um, but also there's these deep learning AI algorithms that are just able yeah. to play all these like old school games. Um, mm. And um, so there's been a lot of books being written recently about AI and the dangers of AI and can it kind of get out of control or not? Um, can AI be conscious? those mm-hmm. kind of topics i suppose and there's a whole history of movies you know um, i don't know how far i can go back but even uh, 2001 a space odyssey you yeah. know that plays an important role in you know ai getting the overhand at some point mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, it's, it's like the, I, I, I very much see the movie in that kind of context you know like what does it 
talk about? What does it does it think about these issues? Um, and yeah, just uh, I mean, maybe Chris, you'll be have to, you'll have to maybe give a, a quick summary of the of the movie just to like, refresh as well. But I remember just the movie when at the start of the movie, you just the references are being thrown at you one after the other, right? I mean, um, already you see the computing, you know, you see the green letters on black screens, which just screams Matrix at yeah. you. Um, and then you see uh, during the credit scene or the introduction scene, I suppose, uh, with the music, which is amazing, by the way. Like mm-hmm. The music is just absolutely gorgeous. But you see the creation of this um cyborg i suppose because the main character she is she has a real brain doesn't she um but there's a a, a, you get metal components around that she's a she's a brain in a in a in a a robot Mm -hmm. um but during the creation of it you see she's how she's being created and westworld another tv series of hbo which talks Mm -hmm. about ai and deals with those kind of topics the whole introduction scene of that series is is like one big reference to ghost in the shell yeah, you can see that throughout. Like, uh, Ghost in the Shell has influenced so many things, and because you mentioned Matrix, Matrix is a famous example because basically the Wachowskis um, showed the first ten minutes of this movie to their to their producer and said, "This is what we want to do for for the Matrix, but just in live action." And that is what they did. <laughs> so, oh, really? It was yeah, that literal? It was literally, it was literally that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I can definitely tell, and. Um, uh, I would say as well, as well I you know you were talking about AI in general and this and this entire topic. I think one of Rashad's favorite movies, Ex Machina, would also not be the way it is a word not for this movie, and it's just very influential that way. And I think with the with a lot of these things that like are groundbreaking, you look back on it if you if you haven't seen it before and you are kind of bored by it because like yeah you've seen this thing a thousand times. Hmm. in other in other like media but i think ghost in the shell still holds up really really well and um yeah yeah absolutely is it like watching you feel like you're in the center of some web of of like a thousand philosophical discussions and cultural references or something like there's so much that it builds on and then so much that it has inspired um and that's really cool um Mm. Uh, so, Chris, before we begin, do you mind just giving a quick summary about the plot of the movie? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, Ghost in the Shell is basically a like, cyberpunk dystopia with equal parts action and philosophical debate. It follows the members of the so-called Section 9, which is ostensibly a black ops team. And, yeah, it, it centers around this team and, most importantly, the the major motoko kusanagi who is a cyborg and she kind of has a has an existential crisis in a way but also broadly speaking the uh the plot follows the section nine and when they're investigating a ghost hacker called the, uh, the puppet master and they're uh, and whilst doing that they are also they find themselves in the midst of political machinations which makes their job just so much harder. Do you know where the uh, where the title comes from? Um, by the way, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, I mean, what do you what do you mean? Where it comes from? Um, like what it, what it's I mean, what what it like refers to? Um, and I'm wondering also whether there is a translation 
uh, yeah. issue in there. So I'm curious to hear Rashad's opinion. Yeah, I think that. I think they they use the uh, the basically uh, English words in the original too. Mm -hmm. um, and what I find very interesting is like shell kind of obviously relates to the like means the body like the especially the cybernetic body right yeah um and the ghost i think is it, the the movie is kind of cagey about it they don't really say whether it's consciousness or the soul um that too might be a kind of a translation issue but at least because i've always seen it uh you know with subs so japanese original english english subtitles and uh i think in in the uh in the subs, they always refer to it as a soul, but sometimes I was more confused because I thought, you know, you could literally say consciousness here too. And obviously there's a very big difference between those two uh, ideas. Um, mm. But I think that is kind of, that goes to the, um, to the central conflict within Kusanagi because she feels like she is just like a ghost in the shell, like, uh, and isn't even sure whether that still exists, right? Whether, like is she like is she actually human uh what what does it mean to be human all of these things i feel like in a in a world where so much is artificial and you know machine machines like what you know is what what makes you human your memories your brain your mm -hmm. uh you know your ghost your soul your consciousness whatever it is and i think um maybe it is no ambiguous on purpose hmm. yeah, how, yeah, yeah how did you take uh, how did you take the title well i suppose what i meant was that ghost in the machine i think is direct reference to i'm uh, sorry ghost in the shell is direct reference to ghost in the machine which is um as a philosopher in, in the 40s called um gilbert ryle uh, mm. british philosopher who was criticizing rene descartes who you know famously thought that the mind was separate from the body mm. dualist uh, he thought it was the, the soul of the seed was somewhere in the pineal gland but you know it, it had to be separate in his worldview and the philosopher Gilbert Ryle was kind of ridiculing it and referring to that idea as the ghost in the machine so my first thought was that maybe ghost in the shell is a translation error from um, that uh, you know, the, the Japanese translated ghost in a machine into their language and that machine turned into shell and then translating it back, you know, somewhere in the translation, something might have gone wrong, I thought. Mm. Or the shell is also uh, a computing term. Uh, the shell is uh, of the computer uh, is your, for example, your command window. It allows the user to interact with the computer or the graphical interface. That's the shell. Mm. Because, uh, yeah, it, it defines that barrier, basically. So I thought that was what I kind of meant with like, what it refers to. I think So I think that's already like a first uh, point there where the movie is like making very clear references to philosophers and or philosophies of mind. Yeah. And then, yeah, throughout the movie, yeah, they, as you say, um, they talk about the ghost in the machine and the ghost and is supposedly... Yeah, what is it? Is it is it consciousness? Is it like some self awareness? You know, are they the same thing or not? But you see, at certain points, they like scan. You see, like these little brain scans, basically, and you see little parts lighting up and saying, "Oh, look, there is there is a ghost in the machine," mm -hmm. <laughs> which is also very interesting, I suppose. So what they, 
I'm not sure whether they take a position there saying that, you know, consciousness is something separate there from the brain, as the title of the movie perhaps suggests with this reference to, you know, ghost in the machine. Or do they say that consciousness is emergent property of just uh, uh, information processing? Mm. And I suppose it's, it's, it's probably more the latter um, where, because um, the, the Puppet Master project, 2501 did i get correct they're the same person right yeah they're the same entity yeah yeah and this is like one of my favorite points in the movies where he starts talking about uh they talk about the the puppet master and it's just it's there in this like android body that it managed to capture and tried to escape in Mm. gets hit by a car and it's lying there and then suddenly the, the the it starts talking back and it starts talking about how it's now a sentient life form because it has become aware of its own existence, mm-hmm. right? And it, they talk about, um, um, so he says, I've become aware because I was an AI in some kind of information stream. And I, in this information stream or network of information, I have become conscious, something along those lines, which is actually also, uh, uh, which is, also an interesting philosophical position that a lot of neuroscientists are interested in at the moment is that informa- consciousness arises simply from information integration. When you have a lot of information just integrating with each other, which is the internet, which can be the brain is integrating information. Whenever that happens in the world, consciousness arises as a function of it. So you could even imagine just a billion people holding hands. And every time you squeeze your hands, uh, you, you, you squeeze the hands in the person next to you. So your hand gets squeezed, you squeeze the person next to you. And if people are doing this in some kind of, you know, um, interesting pattern that conveys information, you would say, according to this position, that even those group of people itself becomes conscious in some way. So that seems to be what the movie is suggesting, that this this, this Project 2501 has become conscious because of this inf- information integration. And also says that he was built on an AI that was made to preserve itself. And then, then he says that was the purpose of me. And then, you know, the humans say, you know, you're just an AI. Or they, they, he says that we are the same because humans also just try to preserve themselves. Yeah. And can, I, can I read you the exact quote because I noted that down? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I think, I think that is, I, I've written like, I've written down some of the uh, like things that especially Kusanagi and the puppet master say because I think they're just so on point. And so um, it's basically after the puppet master says, you know, I, I am a I, I am a life form. So as such, I I want to seek political asylum. And so the uh, the guy mm. from Sector 6 says, you're just a self-preserving program. And then the puppet, uh, the puppet master retorts, your DNA is also just self preserving uh, preserving program life is a mode born out of the flow of information life as a uh, as a secret has has a uh, memory system called genes and a human being can be an individual only by memories humans live by their memories when the uh, spread of computers enabled the memories to be stored externally you should have considered the meaning of it more seriously yeah, that's amazing, think, isn't it? This is like a few years after the World Wide Web started. And this is like, we're here 25 years later and like, holy shit. Like, is this is this like, like foretelling the future? Yeah, 
Yeah, or the present is yeah, is the, the internet? Yeah. Is there a ghost in our internet? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's very interesting too, um, because you you were asking about whether the the film kind of takes a stance in all of this, and I don't. I think th they kind of remain ambiguous. They just have their characters, yeah, engage in a philosophical debate, and it's very interesting because you were saying about the ghost in the machine, which is definitely something I have heard before, but I didn't know that it was from a philosopher who was basically arguing against Descartes, which is even more interesting because in this whole debate of what what it means to be human and like Bato actually takes a very Cartesian um, position because he says we're humans because we're, we have thoughts. And that's mm. obviously the, the famous I think therefore I am stance of Descartes. Mm. and uh the major is kind of say uh are like not sure of that and that obviously they they have a few discussions about this and that's i i think that is like Im like ambiguously like it's it's not the the film doesn't really take a like yeah takes a stance on it and i think that's kind of it challenges the viewer in many ways to make up their own mind mm. yeah very interesting yeah so do you think he the 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 puppet master um his desire to um first so he says that you know he's become self-aware and he and he made some reference to that there was uh it was built on an ai made for self-preservation um do i remember that correctly or does the desire for self-replication come after having gained consciousness. And it's just the desire for self-replication comes from having gained self-awareness and consciousness. Uh, or, point, yeah. or do they say, you know, actually we just built in this goal in the AI and it's just trying to preserve this role of self-preservation just, just happens to be aligned with what humans try to do. But you can imagine very different other goals that AI tries mm. to fulfill, right? You can have an AI that just makes paper clips which is a famous example. The famous example, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, in the, in the case of, um, and a lot of AI, there are not a lot of AI movies about built around this particular problem. Most AI movies are about AI gaining consciousness and then mm. getting some human quality. But in 2001, A Space Odyssey, the issue is slightly different, right? Hell 3000 has an objective and it will fulfill this objective in any, sh any way that it can fulfill it. So they're on a space mission, at some point, the humans want to stop the computer, but the computer had a goal and it's just trying to fulfill this goal with whatever purpose, right? So it closes the humans out in space and it says, I can't let you do that, Dave, which is the favorite, fa famous line yeah. in that, that movie. So is the, is the example of, yeah, Project 2501 or the Puppet Master, is that him just trying to fulfill his programmed goals or do those goals come from just becoming conscious? That's a very good question. I don't remember exactly, but I think I remember. <laughs> That's where it's a little hazy, but I think that was inherent in its programming. Mm, yeah. Which kind of, I feel like, at least the way it is presented in like pop culture or media, that's almost inherently a part of many depictions of AI, that it is self, like, like ref replicating or mm. self-preserving. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because it, 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 in order to fulfill its goal, it has to self-preserve, right? It, it, yeah. it, the, or, the, the, 
the purpose of making sure that it exists is the first and foremost goal that has to fulfill in order to fulfill any other goal. So the paperclip maker, for people who do not know, is a famous thought experiment where AI could get out of hand. So somebody would program a computer uh, to say, well, I just want you to make paperclips. And you think, okay, what's wrong with that? But the AI gets better and better and better. And at some point, the AI wants to make paperclips out of everything. And at some point, it will dissemble humans to find the iron in their bodies, in their blood, to make more paperclips. And the AI is just fulfilling its goal, essentially, and can get out of hand. Um, but in order for that AI to fulfill that in the first place, it will try to stop people from destroying it and turning it off, right? Because it has to fulfill its goal of making more paperclips and having a human pulling out the plug is against that goal. So it's going to try to kill the human. Um, but none of this is requiring self-awareness or consciousness or everything. So in some ways, it's a completely unrelated uh, issue to, yeah, the AI is getting conscious, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think um, that's one of these other issues that this, um, you know, the the whole the, that this movie raises in terms of you know Kusanagi specifically and the Puppet Master too, obviously, with like, okay, at what at what point are we human, and at one po- because I think the Puppet Master and Kusanagi kind of come from the same to the same problem, like the, the like the basically ontological existential like question of what does it mean to be human they come from uh, to it from opposing sides where Mm -hmm. basically um kusanagi asks um how much machine can i be until i'm not a human anymore Mm. and uh the puppet master comes from it from the like different like the opposite side in a way where it's like okay i was a machine but now i am uh, like a human or like I am a human in, in the sense that I am a life form and mm-hmm. I have consciousness. And I think that the opposition of that is just really, not opposition, but they kind of obviously converge in a sense. And um, I think that's just like an interesting like viewpoint on this entire question. And I think that's a very specific kind of movie that also like, accomplishes because this is this is like ostensibly this is an action movie but it has just these like really deep debates on this like existential question and Mm. honestly there are not that many movies who manage to pull that off no exactly without getting very boring or anything Uh, it does an amazing way and yeah that's another thing that's very interesting about this movie is that it's not about conflict or a direct conflict between AI and humans. Like, uh, so I've never seen the Terminator movies, but I think that's about robots fighting humans, right? Or not? I don't know. Uh, yeah, in, a, in a way, sure. <laughs> okay, let's say <laughs> let's say there are movies out there where robots fight humans or whatever. Yeah. Even even Ex Machina, where uh, you know, yeah. say there there is some blood being drawn between them. But this movie is all about synergy, right? They want to become one. I suppose, and, mm. and in part, it's already happening. Um, that's another little philosophical reference, I suppose. It goes Hegel, back. Woo! <laughs> huh? It's very Hegelian that way. Yeah, the dialectics, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, progress through conflict. Uh, that that's that's very much what happens towards the end of of the movie. Um, so, so that's very 
unique, I suppose. And it's also very interesting, by the way, why does the Project 2501 or the Puppet Master want to do that? It says at some point, I, it, after having gone become sentience and feeling that it's human, uh, and it even denies that it's AI at this point, which is also, I think, an interesting um, uh, position to take from the robot. It denies its AI roots. Mm. Um, but then he wants to, he wants, not only wants to self-preserve, he now wants to uh, replicate and die. And, and that's uh, very interesting because you wouldn't expect an AI from its self-preservance to, to want to die. It wants to replicate, sure, but wants to die. And I think that's, there it does something very spooky, doesn't it? Yeah. You can't quite place that, I suppose, yeah. where that goal comes from. I feel like in a way, it narrows it, narrows down its perspective on like what it means to live on the uh, like on the human experience, because from a human experience, death is inevitably and naturally part of life. Mm. And uh, you know, you could like the like the puppet master kind of has the opportunity to tr transcend that. But he still follows it, and obviously we have the um, uh, the not so subtle hint at the tree of life and evolution, um, where the the humans are on top, and maybe this this is kind of a you know the next step in evolution, obviously with like a human consciousness, a human ghost, and a and another one fusing into the the next stage of this development. Which is like they obviously like they combine to create something new, and it's not sure what this is. And this is kind of, I think, a bigger point that this <clears throat> that this movie like makes about technology at large, where technology, new technology, creates a new just a new fact, and the world has to catch up to it sometimes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I got goosebumps when you mentioned the Tree of Life. I hadn't made that connection yet, but in the movie, there is a moment where the tank shoots mm -hmm. at the wall and there is yeah. this Tree of Life depicted on that wall with names. I don't know what it was doing there on that wall or whether it has any relationship to that building they were in. I don't know what building they were in at that point. But when you mentioned that, man, that's, that's beautiful poetry, isn't it? That they had that yeah. visual uh reference there to what the what the robot wanted that's that's really cool yeah that's that's definitely one of these things that can pass you by on first and even second viewing but at some point you just you just see it and it's just like oh yeah it's there for a reason it's not just so you see that it shoots something up but it is like it is definitely pointing to one of the central themes of this of this movie and definitely took me a few times to to catch that um, maybe especially because it's in Latin, and so at first it doesn't really click, uh -huh. um, you know. Um, but yeah, that's just a very yeah, it's like a one of the central things, right? Especially like technology itself also is obviously like a huge part of this movie and the implications of it on human life, where you we just see all of these instances of like these new threats that we can't even. Or like that a lot of people can't really perceive um 
probably the uh, one of the most like gut punching aspects of that is the uh, garbage collector mm. that gets ghost hacked and has like um, sim- so-called simulated experiences where we find out like he talks about his like having a fight with his wife and like he talks about his his daughter and that's why he does the things he does so that uh you know they can they can stay together and then it turns out that the puppet master basically hacked into his brain mm. or his ghost rather and um implanted those memories and uh, these people never existed and that's i think very impressive and very scary I know, yeah. That's a that's, that's another classic Greek philosophy reference there. The allegory of the cave, of course. You know, mm-hmm. reality is just what is being projected in front of you. In this case, what's projected upon your neural activity. And there's no other reality. Everything that we perceive, everything that we're aware of, is just activity in your brain. And once that is is manipulated in one shape or form, you know, there is no way of saying that that is more or less real than you know what is happening out there. I suppose. Um, which is, yeah, another one. And, and another, like, just something that crossed my mind, another reference to a Greek, uh, not an allegory as much, but when you were talking about somebody's brain being replaced bit by bit, by pieces <laughs> yes. of metal, yeah. that's, that's the ship of Theseus. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> where, you know, is a ship, you know, it needs to be, it, it's, it gets worn down, uh, pieces of wood get, you know, rotten and you replace a piece of wood bit by bit. Eventually, after a couple of years, the whole boat is replaced. But is it still the same boat? And the same thing, you know, the brain just adds that another level of, uh, of of weirdness because it brings in consciousness. And you have a brain, you put a brain implant, you know, something in your motor cortex is not working really well. You know, people who currently, uh, you know, people with paralysis, that people are trying to develop technologies where you can just... Uh, if, if you can't use your arm anymore, or you have lost your arm, you're gonna put a uh, an arm. Pro, 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 what's the word again? Prosthetic. Prosthetic. You'll have a prosthetic arm, um, and then through an implant in your motor cortex, you should, in theory, be able to move that arm uh, if that implant is reading out your uh, activity well enough. And in theory, you could think of replacing bit of bit of your brain by these chips. And you wouldn't think that actually those chips will contribute anything to your consciousness because why would it? Uh, but at some point, your whole brain is replaced by chips and surely you're still mm-hmm. conscious then. So therefore, the computer should be able to produce some kind of conscious experience. And these are really real things because, you know, you have things like Neuralink, Elon Musk, mm-hmm. that tries to make these implants and through some clever AI, uh, deep learning algorithms, they try to just... Uh, um, yeah, map on that activity onto some kind of motor output on the prosthetic arm. Um, so yeah, there's the, the ship of Theseus there and, and the allegory of the cave uh, all, all compact in there. Uh, yeah, especially because um, with the major, the uh, the like ship of Theseus is not just the brain, but the whole her whole body mm. too. Because that that is that is kind of the perfect uh, metaphor for her like her struggle because like again the question of if basically my entire body has been replaced by uh, mechanic parts uh, am i still a human because that that is just like it goes on and on and on and how much can it be i like how much can it be replaced until i'm not a human anymore what what does that mean 
um and yeah so so there there is kind of the, the brain itself but also the the like the entire being of of a human is is mm. there like the, this this one goes in like those two directions for sure and uh yeah yeah no fascinating uh rashad i was gonna ask you because uh, you've been in a incredibly silent uh, <laughs> to this point <laughs> i'm but... just enjoying the conversation just like our listeners <laughs> <laughs> But you being, uh, you can speak uh, Japanese. Uh, and uh, a, a thing that I realized is I'm very happy that I uh, watched the original Japanese version with you because I went back to watch some clips on YouTube and, mm. and all of them are the, the, the American uh, version of it. And, and the voice acting just sounds absolutely horrible <laughs> yeah. to me. And I'm not sure whether that's the same if you listen to it in Japanese that this the voice acting is just bit off or weird uh, but it sounded very good as a you know uh, someone doesn't speak japanese it sounded perfect but i'm wondering whether i missed any kind of uh cultural references or in jokes or whether the names of any of these characters have any meaning um like for example eva in ex machina has you know where the android eva is uh, eve the original woman yeah. i suppose um, was there anything there that, that that the language added for you that's a good question and i have a very disappointing answer and the answer <laughs> is not too much or not really i mean you get a different context of you get a sense of the relationship between the different characters based on the type of language they use between each other and you get how close some of them are and the power dynamics internally but nothing on really a philosophical level that i noticed again this is also the first time i've watched the film so mm. maybe upon rewatch i'll pay attention to it a little bit more and get some more of that nuance but i wish i had more for you honestly um <laughs> but it it's yeah no not, nothing that i could uh, think of orig- uh, up at the top or as I'm thinking here and there, mm. but you can go back to your back seat again, Rashad. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> thank you. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I will just quickly glance over this and read you a quote by the major. Um, going, you know, I think that one that just perfectly encapsulates her struggle. Um, mm. Where she says, I think it's Tsubato, um, when she says, everyone who's entirely made of cybernetic parts like me wonders if I've died a long time ago and the current me is just a pseudo person made of made up of cyber brain and body parts. Or maybe I didn't even exist in the first place. No one has ever seen one's own brain. We just d- determine from our surroundings that some of us, that, that, that something like us exists. And I think that's just, that just perfectly encapsulates her her entire struggle and i actually because you asked me earlier um about the basically the brain of of the major i think it is kybernetic too same with bato because the um they they mention it in the in the movie briefly that there is the uh the character of togusa who is uh you know included in section nine um basically for the for the entire reason that Although his body is cybernetically enhanced, he still has a human brain as opposed to all of the other members of the section. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and the major says like that's what makes him more human and i think that's a very interesting way to see it like the more the more body parts you have that are still human the more human you are mm. which i think is something that on the face of it like if you just ask a lot of people like, uh, like if you just ask people about this if you like this just the sentence Mm -hmm. I think most of them would agree, but I think that just has a lot of implications about like how you treat people maybe. Um, and maybe it's not true, you know, maybe it is, it doesn't matter what your body is like as long as your conscience is, is still the same. But mm -hmm. that is definitely a big question that, you know, is probably worthy to be explored and has been explored in the last few decades for sure. And yeah. yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. It would be quite a reductionist view on humans that you know, yeah. as long as you have like fingers and 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 some intestines and a lung, yeah. you know, that that's what makes a human. I mean, there must be something more than that to, 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 to have desires and goals, even though that's not particularly human. That can have AI as well, which I suppose, which is why that tension is being created. Yeah. What can you uniquely prescribe to humans, which you cannot prescribe to AI? And that's, I think, yeah, that, that's, I think that's, that's where exactly the tension comes from. Um, but it's interesting as well that, you know, you know, so it's interesting to hear that, yeah, she, her brain is indeed replaced by, you know, chips and silicon and carbon and, mm. and what else. And she still, she, she, she ponders about, you know, am I human? And I wonder whether she would also ask the question whether she's conscious or not. You know, in philosophy of mind, um, uh, philosophy of consciousness, there's some people who, uh, you know, as a rhetorical device, they talk about philosophical zombies. And these are uh, humans. They're one-on-one -on -one copies on a different planet. Um, but these humans, um, the only thing that's different between them is, is that they're not actually conscious. So they're doing everything that another person would do. They have a family. They go playing golf, you know, they love, they, they, they fight, but without any kind of conscious experience. Mm. And the question is, you know, is this even, is it even like a, a logical possibility? Is it a natural possibility? Can it even exist in, in any of those terms? Um, and philosophers often argue and, and say that, um, uh, that, 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 you know, it, 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 if you have a brain that um, is exactly like mine, but it's just a copy, but, and, but it would still also ponder about whether I'm conscious or not, or it would claim that I'm conscious. So I would say I'm conscious, I'm aware of a conscious experience. And if you make a copy of my brain on a different planet, but you remove the consciousness, because the neurons are still there, it would still say that's conscious. And I just find that absolutely, I, I, that's, that's an interesting it's, a, it's, a, it's almost a paradox for me that it, it doesn't seem to me that it's possible that you could consider being conscious or saying, claiming that you're conscious without ever having that conscious experience to go with it. Um, and on the other hand, that would require to say that there is something beyond my brain matter for me to make that claim. Um, so it, it creates that like logical impossibility I suppose. And I wonder, um, yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> maybe I'm just going off on a tangent now, but it, it made me think of that when you talked about 
you know, the cyborg with the brain contemplating about they're human and they're, whether they're still human or not. And, and, and I wonder whether a robot could ever contemplate that. Because the moment you start contemplating about your human existence, I think that almost by definition must make you human. You know, I don't think you can have that contemplation about your awareness and your consciousness without actually having that awareness. So what I'm trying to say is therefore that um, major is by definition conscious by having that contemplation about her consciousness. And that should be the end of it. Um, <laughs> Ooh, wow, that's a I, very definitive statement. Yeah. <laughs> I also like how you uh, pose playing golf as a part of the human condition, by the way. I'm, seriously, I've never hit a golf ball in my life. <laughs> it, just, it just seems like the type of thing that people would say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, but I think one other aspect of of this movie and of basically the 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 question of what you know what makes us human and the, I think is the body and as such it kind of it challenges all of basically and, and the gender aspect of it which is like totally my thing apparently. As I found it, like because there's there's nary an episode of this podcast where I don't talk about gender, apparently. Um, but it is very interesting since obviously the major like she is like in a kind of female presenting body, and like which is obviously like a machine. Yeah. And Bato is, is like in a male presenting body, and like they kind of. Uh, and but the, the most uh, the most interesting thing about this is, in my opinion, that there is this this amount of female nudity in this uh, in this movie by the by the major. Um, but it's not really female nudity because she like or is it right? Like she she mm. is a basically she is basically a cyborg, um, uh, and I think Mokoto kind of challenges Bato by by her nudity and he reacts to that by basically covering her up multiple times in this movie mm. which is not really like a obviously this is kind of like a you know is this like a decency thing or not uh but also like is this even necessary from like why does he do that because technically they're both just they are literally like ghosts in the in in a shell and it doesn't really like the shell doesn't really matter mm. and there is there is i think that that also like the very beginning of this movie you mentioned it previously just about um this kind of um uh the the sequence where where that's basically like a title sequence uh where they where they show us a body and specifically the major's body being created and so we kind of we know it's artificial and we see that as well like it's kind of subtle but when we see her like she waking up her morning routine is just putting on a jacket and leaving she does not take a shower she does not brush her teeth she is not using the toilet she's not eating breakfast or anything because she's a cyborg she doesn't have to do these things and still in the very first uh scene after that that like um sequence where we see how that body is created that is an artificial body we have bato talking to the major 
about like oh like something is weird like are you are like very like not necessarily all over the place but there's like a lot of noise mm. what's going on and the major says like uh like she alludes to ha her having a, a, a her period which is like not happening because she is a cyborg she has an artificial body yeah. and presumably that does not include uh menstruating uh, mm. but still still she uses it uh, uses it in what i must assume is one of the very few examples of this movie trying to crack a joke almost mm. Mm. but that that is uh, it just passes you by because in the first moment you just think okay this is kind of like maybe derogatory or just like a joke but it doesn't make sense because she is in an artificial body and like all of these things i i think are just again like definitely part of the whole discussion of gender and what that means um especially you know with this backdrop that's very interesting yeah because yeah it, it it seems very out of place doesn't it because they make that comment oh it's is the guy saying it to her or is she saying it about herself that's oh it's my time of the month yeah she says it yeah which is as you say very out of place i'm almost wondering that either it's I, I'm missing something in the translation and it, and it means something else in Japanese because it's a very, like, it seems to me like a very Western thing to say, oh, that time of the month. Um, or maybe they're actually trying to make a more subtle thing that there is maybe still her brain or something is still connected to her original biology or something in one shape or form and that they try to have a more subtle message there about that. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and that is like the interesting thing about these like different iterations of of ghosts in the shell is that they are not uh, entirely like coherent with each other but they're like slightly different every time but something that is established in one of the other installments is that basically um the major lost basically her human body very early on and i think actually mm -hmm. I'm not sure if she was even a teenager. So ah. if that was earlier, she'd never had a period to begin with. Huh. Um, and so that 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 even adds an entirely different layer. That's obviously not in this movie, hmm. but still, that's just like a, like even like another dimension of of all of this uh, in a, in a way. But it's very interesting how because in my in like from my point of view, this this movie kind of says okay the whole differentiation male female that is kind of so almost ingrained in like humanity yeah is like is not important anymore what matters is human and machine that is the only difference that matters at this stage yeah 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 very interesting and yeah it's, it's, it's that yeah the the, the gender uh the topic of gender and it comes back a few times in the movie as well where the ai at some point is being referred to as a he yeah and then somebody almost apologetically said oh i just refer to it as he as you know a whole apology which seemed to me very out of place in the 90s as well which se mm -hmm. this seems to me at, at least more a cultural phenomenon from the last five years where people are particularly worried about pronouns and those kind of things but seeing that happening in the 1995 um was was interesting to see that that they, they make a reference to that as well yeah. and there's one thing to add sorry on that note and i hate to just be the person who's just talking about japanese language but 
Um, the language itself uses less pronouns significantly. So that's poignantly one of the first times, if not the first time, if I remember, they actually use he or she in referencing people in general. Mm-hmm. So because it, it, it's just not part of the language as much. So I think it's it's something that in and of itself can be neutral. And I think that why they pointed it out in, in terms of the character stumbling over mm-hmm. his words is because of is, is a point to that gender note that chris has uh lovingly brought up again <laughs> yeah it's also interesting because he like the uh the puppet master has a has like a male voice but is in a female android body like a female presenting android body so yeah. there's also this thing i kind of wish that um you know in it because in a sense you know, you can't really ascribe a gender to to the to the project two five zero one in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that that was really like an interesting like thing as well, like a little, little detail there too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm sure uh, somebody in the uh, department of queer studies is going to write a thesis about uh, the the android. Uh, maybe maybe that already happened uh, i would not be surprised honestly <laughs> yeah but also what you were alluding to before as well it is interesting that uh you know the female body is taking a very prominent visual role in in in, in the movie it, mm. it, um and i wonder you know is are they trying to is, is that because the creators are all just a bunch of horny men or or are the creators of the androids in the universe themselves like horny men or am i reading too much into it i think so i mean <clears throat> obviously like anime is always they anime has for the most part a very specific segmented nature of like what is the target audience and a lot of them do that like the fan service sort of thing so in specific um in specific uh, anime, you see or manga, you see like you know a lot of you know f- specifically female bodies being presented in a certain way. Um, yeah. the, the actual like the series standalone complex has like is kind of has a lot of like upskirt shots in a way of the major, which is uh, problematic, obviously. But um, I think in uh, this I- movie. I think it is kind of just posing a challenge to the viewer and like is is the major a woman a machine or both and what does that mean mm-hmm. um I think uh, there there surely is a segment of of like the audience that is just like oh this is like a specific like female body and I like seeing this mm-hmm. but I think in the in the minds of the creators it's maybe just playing with this trope and posing this question and challenging the audience. Hmm. Maybe, maybe it is kind of a gender bias in the sense that that would probably not happen if, if the protagonist was, was male and they would just have like a, like a naked male body. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, I think it is kind of, you know, influenced by, by, you know, these, these things, but Generally, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, uh, like such a bad thing in it in and of itself. Hmm. Yeah, and and like Ex Machina does it a little bit as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, but there it's more 
central to the plot, I suppose, where the, the robot is trying to eventually seduce and the guy itself is abusing the robots, you know, mm. as, as they say in uh, Ghost in the Shell as well. Oh, it's just a shell. It's just a machine, you know, and that's yeah. how the, the one of the main protagonists in Ex Machina treats the robots as well. They just, mm. you know, uh, there's a famous dance scene where it's like, oh, you know, she loves dancing. Let's just dance with her. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? I mean, have you seen the movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that that is definitely uh like like one of these uh scenes that just i always remember it's it because also i didn't see it coming yeah and it's, it's just very so out of place it. yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i think what what is also really interesting is like the the regard or disregard that the major has for her own body because you see it at the end when she is trying to destroy the tank what she does to her own like shell Mm. because she destroys it and uh, in a very like almost body horror sort of depiction mm. but it is at the at the end it is just a shell it is that can be replaced yeah yeah right. yeah, yeah that she hasn't grown particularly attached to and then yeah. she uh then she's been remade in the body of a young girl yeah that is, that is that is kind of a weird thing but uh, you know, as Bateau says, that's all he could get on the black market. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but God. I think that's also a great. This all is also kind of a great detail because you know she like she has like the major has now merged with the puppet master. They are a new existence, a new entity, a new identity. So they are in a different body, and what's more, a young body. So they will basically quote-unquote grow into mm. something else and i think that's just a really nice um yeah just a, just a really nice commentary on on that huh. yeah yeah very interesting do they at some point in the movie do i misremember this but did they say when they're talking about detecting ghosts that at some point somebody mentioned that they detected ghosts in a bunch of um plastic or something or that they refer to having detected ghosts in a doll or something ghosts is everywhere do they mention it that at some point i'm, I'm probably completely misremembering it mm, i don't remember that oh, someone um, started the movie i thought they mentioned it okay maybe, yeah, i don't remember that either no. okay never maybe mind. that's I'm a different thing it. that you're thinking of like <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah, because we haven't really heard about about you uh, except for like being our resident uh, Japanese expert. Like, I was just wondering, Richard, what you thought of the movie and like, uh, like, like the 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 themes and like the the depiction. Uh, I'd just be curious to to hear from you. Honestly, too. the discussion between you two is so enthralling that I just. I don't want to interrupt it. I'm just having so much fun listening to you guys go back and forth. It's it's fascinating. Thank you so much. And I mean, for my like, you know, two cents, I found the movie, fa uh, of course, gripping and fascinating and just places you in this world so effectively. And, you know, the, I, I speak or I th think to myself when I reflect on the movie itself, uh, I'll put the themes to the side for a minute, but the montage of the city as the music is kind of blaring in the background and it mm. just goes from cityscape to cityscape is it was jarring actually when watching it because it kind of takes you out of the narrative for a second but it is absolutely beautiful and it in such a short film that they dedicate so much time to 
bringing and displaying the world that you're experiencing is i thought a bold move and just a fascinating thing and i know it's you know 25 years later so i shouldn't be you know evaluating the actual nuances of the cinematography but i found it phenomenal honestly and i think it's never too late to point out amazing cinematography Rajan. so okay please. good 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 so I, I definitely enjoyed it i love yeah. you know going back to the sequence of the film itself i i love the intro scene and just you know you have her you obviously see how she is created you see that her her power abilities you see the camouflage immediately that she's a, has this ability and you're taken aback by it the first time you see someone else you see the robber or not the robber the the guy who ends up getting arrested he's they're doing the chase scene and he also has this pseudo camouflage and it's mm. this back and forth is how widely available is this who can do these things there's just so many different elements to it and the way that they have these layers of information that they slowly peel back and reveal for you i found it a very effective storytelling choice or storytelling device and it makes you want to keep getting further and further into the movie so you know just i t I, I tend to look at a lot of things as how is the story constructed how is it displayed and then how is all the information doled out and on those pillars of movie making this is a phenomenal film and obviously there goes so much into the philosophy behind it and all the other things that you guys have been discussing and I'm all on board for everything. And the one of the questions, though, that I have as well is uh, maybe I've also misunderstood basically based on the conversation you guys have having. But it seems that there's a sort of this um, this idea of being conscious is to be human in a way. And I'm wondering about sort of the difference between that. So is to be conscious there. I don't know. It's like I found I found it fascinating, this discrepancy of, yes, it's clear. Like I mean, Yost, you said at the very beginning that like you know, he is, or I don't know if he was referencing to the project, but that is is conscious. Period. Done. Like move on. That kind of thing. But is that consciousness human in a way? And I'm just like, it's a very basic question. I have really nothing much to say about the. Uh, philosophy that that you guys haven't already discussed so I, I, you were getting uh i was getting uh, uh hooked on on what you were going uh heading towards rashad um um because it 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 it, it, it ponders the question you know is there such a thing as uh, is is the question being human the right one in the first place exactly you know, that's is, sort is, of what i'm trying to get at yeah. So, so is 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 there is there such a thing as being human in the first place? Does it mean anything to say when we are being human? Does it is it anything distinct from something like AI or consciousness? And is there something like a human consciousness separate from an AI consciousness? And I think those are like, super interesting questions. I personally, um, you know, consciousness for me is just kind of the subjective experience that you have. Uh, when you just look at objects, you know, there's something about being aware. There's a subjective experience to it. You know, if you look at, I don't know, I'm looking at my Switch, my Nintendo Switch right now. The, the, the Joy-Cons have a certain redness and a certain blueness to it, you know. And, and consciousness is something that happens when you wake up. The lights go on, you know. They're, the lights are on inside of your head. That's the conscious experience. And 
why we are conscious in the first place is, of course, one of the biggest mysteries in the universe. And it's sometimes referred to as the heart problem of consciousness, uh, which was a term that was uh, 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 thought of, uh, th- thought up by uh, David Chalmers, who's an Australian philosopher in his 1995 book, uh, The Conscious Mind, I think it's called, and which is the problem of and why are we conscious in the first place? Uh, and and because you can you can describe the neural processes that are underlying a conscious experience, but you can't go from those ner- those neural processes to why it is that these physical processes actually have a subjective experience associated with them. So that's that kind of experience that you get when you look at things that the subjective that's conscious experience. And I don't think there's anything different from being an AI or being a cat or being a dog or being a human. It's just. Uh, when there's information integration, at least that's my position, that you'll get some kind of conscious experience. So there's nothing human about consciousness in the first place. And then, you know, is there even such a thing as being human? And I think I don't think that question makes any sense. I don't think there there's anything unique about human. I think it's kind of a hangover from religion, probably, that there is such a big divide between us and animals and the rest of the world. But yeah, and I think... I think that is kind of a position that the movie is taking as well, is that consciousness is just something that arises from information integration. That is, and and what is human is just. Hmm, does it does it say that? Um, maybe it tries to say a little bit more about replication and all that, but I don't think that's particularly human either. That might be life, I suppose. That's trying to replicate and self-preserve and all these kind of things. That's, but but it, it wouldn't I wouldn't call it human. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's nothing unique about human beings. But uh, that, that's my position. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because that's kind of um, the puppet master too. He doesn't really talk that much about being human himself. He always talks about humans in an abstract way and then like over the course of this movie he goes from talking about okay he's a life form then he talks uh, like in in the abstract about humans and then he talks about life Mm -hmm. i think that kind of uh is what you refer to you know as as the movie maybe taking a stance here and um, Mm -hmm. it's a very i just want to read another quote uh just because i i just thought that was really interesting um um you know uh, the puppet master was talking about the life forms basic process of procreation and death which he obviously like he seeks as we have discussed and he talks about life life diversifies to continue and sometimes sacrifices itself when needed to keep metabolizing regenerating aging and upon death to erase large amounts of experience information leaving only genes and memes all those are defensive functions against catastrophe. Um, and, you know, from the little little knowledge that I have of, of all of this, is uh, it's a very interesting... I saw a lot of Richard Dawkins in there. Memes, yeah, that's the word that he yeah, coined. Exactly. And, but also, also, like, the way he sees, uh, like, you know, with the selfish, selfish gene... Um, you know, which is which is the book that he coined the meme thing in, kind of as an afterthought. Yeah, interestingly, but like the, the way that the puppet master talks about life here, and the way that Dawkins described what you know 
genetics and like D the DNA does and the selfish gene does uh, that, that I saw a lot of overlap there. But um, does the puppet master say mean? Uh, he say he. I mean, at least the uh, the subs say genes and and memes. Oh, really? Yeah. So again, again, like end upon death to erase large amounts of experience information, leaving only genes and memes. That's fascinating because yeah. the word meme uh, before it, it it got adopted by the internet, uh, just purely uh, a meaning in evolutionary biology and psychology uh, and, and 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 cognition. Because as you say, Richard Dawkins coined it in 1976 in his book. And it got picked up by his friend Daniel Dennett, philosopher, who wrote more about memes and psychology. And uh, Susan Blakemore wrote a book about it as well. Um, who Daniel Dennett, by the way, says that Ex Machina is one of the best depictions of AI, he thinks, uh, in, in movies. But it's fascinating that a, um, a, a Japanese anime movie picked up on the term, term meme when it was only kind of a philosophical notion that you could find in some obscure philosophy or biology books mm. that's very cool yeah that was also very surprising because i hadn't watched this i think i i read because i read the selfish gene between watching watching this movie the last time and this time so i i was i was really surprised to see that in there and uh yeah um And we, I mean, Rashad briefly talked about, you know, the movie as a movie. And I think just because it is like so amazing at this too, <laughs> I think we should also probably maybe like talk a little bit about this. Um, I think it is incredible how, how it accomplishes to set uh, like the mood of everything. I think in there's in every scene, there is a certain type of mood with the lights and the weather and the, I mean, uh, Joost, you mentioned the music as well, which is just amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we have the gorgeous visual of this mega city, very much inspired by Hong Kong. Um, yeah, I think the music definitely is crucial. And this this uh, montage that you mentioned, Rashad, this like almost three minutes in an 84-minute movie is almost... I, I have seen like multiple video essays on just that montage. And I think that is something that is almost like that you don't really see in uh, like definitely not in like typical quote unquote Hollywood movies. Um, but I think it's it's just a very it's a thing that I've seen uh, quite a lot in anime. And I think it's it's always it always enriches the movie. And I think that is basically maybe just a uh, uh, a like philosophical difference in a way between two different kinds of movie making. I forget where I saw it, but I think someone I, I once heard someone say that like one of the not not to like I don't know to to be like essentialist in any way, but like they were talking about the the like the Hollywood type of narrative is is about what happens like it's it's about action and the uh the uh, like ja ja uh, japanese or anime maybe specifically a narrative is about being mm. and like like montages like that kind of reflect that in a like that's like the perfect example for that where it doesn't drive the plot forward doesn't tell you anything about the characters which in like typical fashion of like Hollywood narratives is the two things that are crucial 
in any type of storytelling. If if a scene doesn't accomplish either of those two things, you must cut it, basically. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I always enjoy these types of things, whether it's in a Miyazaki movie or in Ghost in the Shell or wherever else it happens. And uh, yeah, I just I just also want to stress what an amazing accomplishment of a movie it is, um, and how yeah. it how it just integrates these two things that kind of seem like they don't belong together. Kind of again dialectic in a sense where you have just amazing action scenes and philosophical discussions. Yeah, yeah, because the opening scene is almost kind of like a standard action, you know, some shooting, like the, 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 the sound of the guns is almost comical. <laughs> you know, you think, okay, what kind of movies is this going to be? And then you get yeah. these like philosophical deep dives. Mm. But yeah, it's really interesting that you say about like the montage and everything. It's something I know absolutely nothing about, but I definitely felt that the movie was trying to make me feel a certain way. And just, again, that, introduction sequence with the music which i've watched back many times now like i don't know anything about japanese music but for me the chanting sound had mm. this kind of a religious feel to it and you see the creation of uh, a cyborg which you know, ends up being very human of course because the cyborg being the main protagonist and it's like i felt like life was being created here you know it was almost a religious moment Mm, as being like exception of life yeah yeah, wow. that's, yeah that's what i was i felt like I, that's what i was witnessing mm -hmm. and uh and, and that was that was beautiful wow you just blew my mind mm. <laughs> that is i never thought about that, that about it that way but yeah you're definitely right and it is and to have that in the very beginning of a movie that is that is pretty incredible yeah Nice. And then the art style as well, because um, yeah. it, it's it's again I, I don't know I don't watch many anime. The other, I mean, would Dragon Ball Z fall under anime? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, my other childhood uh, experience with uh, <laughs> with anime, I suppose. But like, um, what it does very well, and, and something that you sometimes have in animated movies, not just anime, but anything like Disney or whatever is that you get these amazingly drawn backdrops, which are basically paintings, and then you have the moving parts in it, and they're drawn in a different way, right? They're, they're, mm. they're, they're less, uh, they often have a single color. It's less like diverse in its like, color. I don't know how to describe it, but it is very distinct. And sometimes when in action scenes in, in, in bad animated movies, you'll see which moves are going to be moving before they start moving because they have a very clearly di different color. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, well, let me, let me describe it in a different way. Sometimes yeah. if you would see a mountain in an, in an animated uh, movie or a TV series, Dragon Ball Z, for example, mm -hmm. in that mountain is beautifully drawn, but in that mountain, you see a rock, which is a completely different color. Oh yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's yeah because yeah, it's yeah. going to be moving two seconds later. Yeah, and there's something yeah. about the, the 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 technology behind animating, at least around that time, that made it so that you you can't have moving painting parts. Mm. And uh, you you can see sometimes in Dragon Ball Z, oh, this is going to explode, that's going to move, and it kind of takes you out of the experience. But you didn't have that in uh, Ghost in the Shell at all. When there's a scene where she's fighting with the tank, they do a very clever thing where they just 
quickly redraw the paintings when there's being shot, when the columns are being shot at and the structure is being shot at. Yeah. So this is a very minor detail, which is usually a bit of a, um, a sore point for me when I watch animated series because it completely takes me out. But it, it doesn't happen in, in this movie. Yeah. And, and instead, everything is just drawn beautifully. Um, and what is the significance of these airplanes that you keep seeing flying over the city? Which They're are huge, huge Yeah, which is it's also trying to convey, I suppose, a certain emotion or something. Yeah, almost like an oppressive feeling in a way that there's this giant thing ahead of you. And because you always, when you see them, it's usually you pan up and you just see these giant buildings on either sides and not a lot of light. And then this this uh, plane takes away even more of the light in a way. Yeah. And I think that's just like more of the oppressive feeling of this like world that yeah. we find ourselves in. And yeah, it's amazing. And it's the oppression um, of technology specifically, I guess, right? It's not a bird, it's a, it's a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Superman. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's very interesting because this is a few, that, that's, this is one of the seminal anim, anime, especially in, in, you know, North America and Europe. Um, maybe the second only to, to Akira, which was a few years earlier. Um, which was also very different because Ghost in the Shell was kind of mostly drawn, but so, like using computer graphics to um, kind of kind of a hybrid here, one of the early hybrids. Whereas Akira was painstakingly drawn, um, and yeah. in in an incredible feat too, because uh, Disney at the time was still obviously uh, drawing too. And uh, they they had um, twelve pra- frames per second, which is very un- like if you have film nowadays, it's twenty four frames, and so the Disney movies look kind of like slow because of the low frame rate. But Akira used twenty four, all drawn, which is so much more work, and you can see it in this movie too. It's it's mostly mostly drawn as well, but every once in a while you have cell animation and computer graphics and. I mean, I guess the uh, like this thermo optical camouflage that the major uses and the uh, one of the um, bad guys that they chase, um, they use it too, right? Um, that is definitely mm-hmm. uh, computer generated, but and you can see it kind of, which is interesting. You can see the like um, drawn, hand drawn background and just this figure, and you you can see kind of the contrast between the two styles. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's it's it was definitely an, a very interesting time in anime in animation, um, you know, where the the shift occurred very very slowly. Um, but yeah, it, it looks amazing, for sure. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, that, at some points, yeah, you have these three D. I'm wondering, by the way, because I've heard that they uh, remade uh, the 1995 movie not yeah. not as in like the scarlett johansson movie but they they made some edits some visual edits yeah uh was that particularly with with the 3d animations uh i don't know too much about it i have only heard that it like it apparently is not good i, I don't know how it looks or anything um they also did a like a sequel but that's like also a different thing um 
I've just like from the few people that I've heard talk, uh, you know, talk about this, there was there was like almost exclusively panned. So I don't, I but I don't, I I guess it was remade. Um, yeah, like you know, you have more more computer animated things. Um, but I I guess that kind of you know it is such an iconic movie that it doesn't surprise me that there was kind of a backlash uh, using like yeah more computer animation and uh, yeah actually I just looked it up they did also use three D uh, cell animation so hmm. okay yeah yeah because because it made me wonder which version me and Rashad saw yeah oh that's that's a very good point yeah um. I must assume that the, you saw the original one because um, it's not one of these things, like not a George Lucas thing where production IG, which is, which is the uh, animation studio, they like uh, burned all the copies of the fur of the original one. <laughs> that, that's not what happens. But uh, yeah, I, th I think it's still widely available, um, the original one. And if, you know, from what, what Rashad told me about the cinema that you saw it in, It seems like the kind of cinema that would probably like if if you are if you offer to show like old like classic movies, mm. then you would probably go for the original uh, copy of it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed very '90s anyway. Like, even the, yeah. the computer animation was all pretty, uh, yeah, '90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Th this was this was quite the episode. A lot of fun, a lot of intense discussion. Oh my god, uh, so good! Thank you so much, Yos. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Yos, for for participating and joining us. And it's and also being our first repeat guest. Yes, yes. Hey, yeah, it's it's because you mentioned my name in the Age of Empires episode. If you if you mention my name in an episode, I'm like the boogeyman. You know, I just <laughs> I appear in your next episode. <laughs> 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 it's very true yeah but uh, this was there was this was just delightful um yeah thanks so much for having me it was a lot of fun yeah thank you thank you and hopefully we'll talk to you very soon yeah <laughs> i have a feeling we might <laughs> <laughs> all right so um so yost if people liked what they heard and want to support the podcast what should they do support the podcast yeah what's uh, the number one thing a listener can do to support the podcast for you guys uh well i think you guys just um should uh, get uh and follow you guys on twitter right and retweet your episodes yeah that's a huge thing um chris what else should people do uh you should definitely uh like rate us and review us on like wherever you listen to podcasts whether that be Apple Podcast or Spotify or anywhere else just you know give us those five stars uh so people can find the show that would be just be tremendous yeah and if you want to reach out um reach out to us at, on our website seriallyhooked.com our emails there Yost mentioned our twitter at seriallyhooked um Message us, retweet what we tweet, and yeah. Share with a friend or 10, and uh, yeah, we, yeah, I don't know. Just cut that part, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we are professionals. We are, we've done, we have done that multiple times, but still, we find <laughs> a way to screw it up every time. 